Elias Pettersson says, I want to see it first before I lock in long-term. Plus, who are the best players under the age of 23 in the Western Conference? And the top 10 teams that need to win right now. All that and more coming up on today's Western Conference Tuesday edition of Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, indeed. Welcome into a Western Conference Tuesday edition of Locked On NHL. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode and making Locked On NHL your first listen each and every day. We are also your team every day. On today's episode of Locked On NHL, we discuss the news that Elias Pettersson wants to see the direction Vancouver's headed before he makes a move to potentially sign long-term. We'll take a look at the athletics list of players ages 23 and younger and where they slot in in uh, various tiers. And we'll also take a look at the teams facing the most pressure to win right now. My name is Seth Topol, host of Locked on Wild, and joined by my Tuesday co-host, Nick Morgan of Locked on Predators. The final episode that we'll do here in the month of August, which means September, which means like five weeks until the start of the NHL season. And uh, I, for one, could not be more excited. It just keeps getting closer and closer. It feel it's starting to feel like the uh, the age where last season feels like a whole year ago, like like it just feels like a lifetime ago since we saw Vegas play. Like it just seems like the summer months in terms of hockey just drag on. Like these go so much slower than like weeks in season do. Yeah, and it's just it's nice that you know we're gonna start to hear the training camp rumblings here uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, then at that point we're, we're in the clear and we're, we're ready to roll for the starts of, uh, of next season. Now, one player who maybe is not uh, this, this was an eye opener for me because he is a guy that I think the Vancouver Canucks are really hoping will be a part of their future for a long time. Mr. Elias Pettersson, who um, Nick, as you had pointed out to me, told the uh, the Canucks that uh, talks on his contract extension are off as of now. Kind of just wants to see what the uh, what the team is doing, kind of the direction that they're going. And uh, let's just start on the Pettersson side. I think this makes all the sense in the world for him because Vancouver is trying to kind of come back up. And so why would you lock in before you see the direction in which the franchise is going and you get that inkling as to if they're going to be able to accomplish what they're trying to do? Yeah, he certainly has the leverage to be able to do that because he knows he's the best player on the Vancouver Canucks. And yeah, I mean, it makes sense for him because you look around the NHL and it's all about the mega deals, you know, eight year deals lock in. That's the entire prime of Elias Pettersson's career. And he's not going to want to sign. And then, you know, let's say the Canucks suck again for two years. And then all of a sudden you're faced with a rebuild. And 
you're Elias Pettersson, you don't really have a lot of leverage to where you go. Like, you know, maybe you have a no movement clause or maybe the team wants you as their kind of building piece. So it makes sense for him to be like, let's see how this year goes first before I devote the rest of the prime of my career, or at least the bulk of it, to this one team if I'm not sure what it's going to look like two, three years down the road. Yeah, and he he is, without a doubt, one of the better up-and-coming players in not only the Western Conference, but you can put him on that list in the NHL as well. And so there's going to be no shortage of people that would be happy to get in line and to give him that type of an ex- of a uh, long-term deal if he wants to go elsewhere. And this was a Canucks franchise that was a mess at the start of the season. They, they did my boy Bruce Boudreaux dirty um, by just basically letting him walk the plank uh, with the season in shambles. You bring in Rick Tockett, and, and uh, he tried to kind of reestablish that base as many coaches do when they're thrown into a situation like this. And they played better at the, um, at the end of the season than they did certainly at the beginning of the season. But there still is a lot of work to do to try to kind of weed out the guys that are in, the guys that are out. And so it's no guarantee that Vancouver is going to find success here this year, which, as you alluded to, could lead to some more potential moves that lead to them taking a bit of a step back. And if you're Vancouver, boy, you better be doing everything you can to try to get this deal done sooner rather than later. Uh, because we, we talked about Elias Pettersson kind of wants to see the direction of the Vancouver Canucks. The Vancouver Canucks direction kind of depends on if Elias Pettersson is going to be there or not. Uh, because if for some reason he wants out, all of a sudden you have to change your entire team because you don't really have that building block up front to build around anymore. I mean, no disrespect to somebody like Andre Kuzmenko, but Elias Pettersson is one of the elite players in the NHL. That is a tier that's very hard to find players at. So if you're Vancouver, like, you know, let's say he pulls a Matthew Kachuk, you know, a year from now and just says, I don't want to be here. You know, I'm not going to sign long-term. I would like to be traded somewhere. Then all of a sudden you're the Canucks and you have all this money locked in to veteran contracts to try to boost them, you're all of a sudden having to change your entire strategy. So if you're Vancouver, your best bet is to somehow within the next 11 months, find a way to lock in Elias Pettersson long-term move, whatever money you can to make it happen. Uh, Because if the Canucks don't get Pettersson long-term, if he plays a power card, if he doesn't want to sign long-term, if he wants to be traded, uh, this franchise is going to be in for, you know, kind of a rough few years. I wonder how JT Miller factors into this as well, because, you know, he was a guy who pretty polarizing player uh, when things are going bad for the Canucks this past season and a guy who is pretty intense out there on the ice. And so you wonder if he would be a player that will gel with a guy like Patterson. Then again, they have played together. It's not like they were just playing together for the first time this past season. They have played together before, but you wonder if they need to 
free up a little money if they would try to revive some of those trade talks again for a guy like JT Miller, or if they view him as somebody that would be a complimentary piece to, uh, to put into that lineup underneath Pedersen, who is clearly the franchise player. Yeah. I mean, you have Quinn Hughes back there. Uh, so he's got somebody a blue line and if Thatcher Demko is healthy, you got a pretty good goaltender in there too, but yeah, like JT Miller's best years of his career have come playing next to Elias Pedersen. Uh, you know, and he just also, he locked in to a very, very long contract, a very big money wow. contract with the Canucks not too long ago. So he's probably not going to be too thrilled if all of a sudden he's locked in uh, to a team in which his best playmaker has just left. And also the Vancouver Canucks probably aren't going to be happy because they're locked in to a big money deal uh, to a player who's probably not going to be worth it if his number one playmaker is gone. Right. Yeah. It's, there's a lot to, there are a lot of intricate pieces to this. And so this is something that definitely is going to have the Western conferences. eye, and uh, it'll have ours uh, as well. Now there's no shortage of talent in the Western conference. There's no shortage of young talent in the Western conference, but some names that were just drafted have made their way onto a list, a tiers list by the athletic ranking players, age 23 and under. And so we're going to look at the names that made the list from the Western conference to determine if we think they're in the right spot. We'll play the uh, Goldilocks and the three bears edition of this too high, too low, or just right. That is coming up as we continue today's episode of locked on NHL after this. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Yes, you heard me right. All customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel, the app that's easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to today's Western Conference Tuesday edition of Locked on NHL. Again, thank you for making Locked on NHL your first listen each and every day. Seth Topol joined by Nick Morgan and Nick, we're going to dive in to the list that was put together by the athletic and uh, they went through and ranked players ages 23 and under uh, in both the East and the West. They put them into tiers such as franchise player uh, and up and up and down the list. And I took the liberty of looking at the Western conference players so we're going to just go through and see if these guys are in the right spot or if they're too high or if they're too low. So we'll start with the first tier, which was bubble generational player, an elite NHL player. There was one player in this tier. One. Yes, we Connor, can. Yeah. Connor Bedard. We can I was gonna say, you probably guess who that was. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, that was tier one. Uh, there was nobody in tier two, which was uh, elite 
NHL players. There were a few players in the Eastern Conference that made that category, but that's the Eastern Conference. Uh, Tier three was bubble elite NHL players and NHL all-stars. This tier included Maddie Beneers and Trevor Zegras. Then tier four was NHL all-stars, which included Leo Carlson, Matt Boldy, Mason McTavish, Will Smith, and Bo Byram. And then the fifth tier was bubble NHL all-star and top of the lineup players. This included Wyatt Johnston and Logan Cooley. So it's a lot to take in for this list because there are a lot of names in this list that have not played an NHL game yet. Now I can see it from Connor Bedard's perspective because he has been billed as a generational talent for a long time, but I don't know about putting players on lists like this before they've even set foot on NHL ice. Am I, am I out of my mind here? Well, it's weird because if you're going by just potential, like and you're willing to call your shot on Connor Bedard, it's like, yep, generational player. Then why are you being so, I guess, conservative with where you're putting somebody like Leo Carlson, who's all the way down in tier four. I mean, if he is easily, you know, I would say at least tier three, maybe a strong argument for tier two as elite NHL player, but the very least, you know, bubble elite NHL player, because that's a guy that can score, you know, 100 points a season right there. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's just I feel like we're kind of locking in Bedard as a sure thing. And yeah, I absolutely I think I'm buying the Bedard hype. I think he's going to be the most exciting uh, you know, player to come out of, you know, out of the draft in a very long time. Uh, but it's weird that you're kind of, everybody's kind of penciling him in as a sure thing where maybe some other guys that, you know, are, would have been top of their draft classes, in, you know, in any other year besides the Bedard year are kind of being, but it's like, okay, well, we need to wait and see. And eh, not so high in them yet. Um, so it, it's just kind of, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, I wouldn't say it's weird, but I would say it's at least like a little inconsistent. And this was, I should add some more con uh, context. Corey Pronman put this list together and here's tier two. Um, it's elite NHL players. And these guys are all from the East. It's Jack Hughes, Tim Stutzla, Adam Fantilli, and Matt Faye-Mitchkoff. Those are your four players in tier two. And so then I guess I just go through the rest of the list and uh, and look, for instance, tier three, some names in the East. Dylan Cousins is a bubble elite NHL player and NHL all-star. Uh, and then Luke Hughes is also in that grouping. And I think in terms of that third tier with Zegris and Beneers being the um, being the two Western Conference names on that list, And this is something that you and I, in fact, even have, uh, I think, discussed in previous weeks is that if you can get a guy like Zegris, a guy like Beneers to put together a a huge season, you can definitely elevate them on this list. And having one of those seasons that you just kind of know, you're like, that's the one we've been waiting for. And now we can definitely ascend them into the elite, uh, elite tier beyond just being kind of one of those fringe guys, fringe elite. Yeah. 
it's I, I feel like there's more talking points with some of those guys you mentioned in the East. Because uh, are you really are you really telling me that Dylan Cousins has higher upside than Leo Carlson? That that's the argument, Corey. Bronson that's what I'm being led right to believe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, there there seems like there's more talking points on that side, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, other than that, like Carlson's the one person that I feel like is out of place on this list. Um, you know, the other tiers, like the bubble elite Beneers and Zegris, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think like, you know, they're both kind of trending that way. Zegris, I think certainly is going to have some help from the aforementioned Carlson and also just the ducks, maybe taking a step forward. Uh, you know, Beneers, we see what he's been able to do as a 19 and 20 year old in this league. He's only going to keep getting better. Uh, so I think that that tier is right. Um, you know, the only other thing I might change on this list is Logan Cooley it was in tier five, which is bubble NHL all-star and top of the lineup player. I really do think people are sleeping on Logan Cooley. Uh, I agree. You know, I'm not, I'm not much of like a draft prospect guy. Um, you know, don't watch a lot of juniors or stuff like that, but I do watch a lot of college hockey, uh, and watching Cooley last year, uh, in Minnesota, like he stood out to me. Uh, like he was up there with Adam Fantilli in terms of just, you know, a guy who looked like he is an NHL player playing against a bunch of college kids. Right. That's like the one thing that maybe I would change is I would bump him higher, um, you know, and maybe somebody like Bo Byram, uh, certainly a good top of the lineup player. I don't necessarily see like, you know, all star every year type of guy. Yeah. Um, the big thing that I take exception to is that Matt Boldy should be higher on the list than Matt. I had a feeling you would have qualms with that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I like I like putting Boldy at that point right now because you know not everybody's an all star and he is and is going into his third league season in the league. All these guys can jump, drop down this list. It is just interesting to look at some players from the same draft who had similar profiles who get put three tiers lower than the guys at the, it's, it is just interesting to kind of see the thought processes at work with, uh, with some of these, but at the end of the day, rankings are subjective. It is off season content, my friend. Correct. Well, speaking of off season content, uh, we're going to try to light a little fire under a few teams in the West, the 10 teams that are facing the most pressure to win right now. That comes your way after this here on today's episode of Locked On NHL. Final segment of this week's Western Conference Tuesday edition of Locked On NHL. Again, thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen each and every day. Seth Topol joined by Nick Morgan. And uh, all right, Nick, another rankings Top 10 teams that are facing the most pressure. Teams that got to win right now. Let me have it. Yeah. Number one is obvious. I think you and I have talked about this before, but Edmonton Oilers. I don't think there's any debate. Uh, maybe the most pressure in the entire uh, NHL right now, even more so than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Look, you have two of the best generational players 
uh, of the last 10 years. Like, it's not hyperbole to say that McDavid and Dreisaitl are the best duo since Lemieux Yager. Like, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that. And the Edmonton Oilers have one conference final appearance uh, since 2006 to show for it. Since that, you know, cup finals run. They haven't even won a game uh, in the conference finals uh, with McDavid or Dreisaitl. So this is a team, like, it's the last year of Ken Holland's contract. You know, we know Jay Woodcroft is kind of on the hot seat at this point. If they don't get it done this year, if they don't, I'm not saying they need to win the cup, but if they don't, you know, make some sort of semblance of a run, look like a team that could win it all with maybe one or two adjustments, boy, you got to change. You got to change something. Not saying they're going to trade like, you know, Connor McDavid and start it all over again, but there is going to be some sort of massive overhaul. I mean, do you have any qualms about the Oilers being number one on this list? No, not, not even remotely because the, the fate of that franchise hangs in the balance because at some point those two are going to say enough is enough. And like you hit it right on the head is they need to have a season in which they make tangible progress or you've got to at bare minimum bring in somebody else to be GM to try to figure out a different way to attack it. Yeah. You got to make the conference finals this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you got to take whoever you're playing to the brink. Like you can't just have a quick exit there again. Uh, That's a great, that's a great, I think that is right on the money for expectations for what they need to do this year. Yeah. Uh, Rest of the list. uh, Number two, I had the Canucks for reasons we talked about in the first block. Um, I mean, that's a team that I think needs to win right now. A to save their generational players. Uh, three, I had the LA Kings just because of, you know, the amount of investment they put in this team. Haven't gotten past the first round in a while. Uh, four, I had the Dallas stars, uh, again, a team that, you know, made a lot of changes. A lot of people are talking about them, not just favorites for the conference, but cup favorites maybe this year, sort of in that top tier, you know, they have to, I think, make another very deep, strong run, Uh, in order to, I think, satisfy expectations. Uh, Five, you know, not necessarily that they absolutely need to win the cup this year, but five, I have Colorado, just in the sense of, you know, you had the super team a couple of years ago, uh, maybe the best cup winning playoff run by a single team in the past 20 years or so. And then, you know, kind of a bad exit last year to Seattle, uh, a lot of changes this year. I think Colorado needs to have, you know, another deep run look good in the series that they get knocked out on. Maybe take a, you know, a, the, whoever beats them to the brink or something like that. Uh, and then the rest is just kind of, you know, fringe teams that I think, you know, people are expecting them uh, to win. Uh, I have Minnesota six. I have Winnipeg seven just because I think they're also trying to convince Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley to stick around for a little bit. Uh, Speaking of eight Calgary flames, I think they need to rebound uh, with a lot of the changes they made Uh, nine just here because they're one of the teams I think expected to win is the Vegas golden Knights. Uh, But Hey, you know, a, a cup, the reason, you know, they're, they're probably one of the three cup favorites, but the fact that they won last year is a reason that they're not under a lot of pressure. Yeah. Uh, and then for 10, I picked the St. Louis Blues 
just because I think a lot of people thought last year's kind of catastrophe of a season, maybe not necessarily representative of the team that they have. Uh, and they have some young talent there. They made a big investment to get Kevin Hayes. So I do think out of some of those remaining teams, the St. Louis Blues are one that you would have to look out and go, hey, you know, this is a team that is, you know, needs to win right now. I I like the list. I'm going to single out the teams that I think are in. We need to win or there are going to be some big changes from a roster standpoint. Obviously, the Minnesota Wilds is they're They're dealing with those cap hits. But at the same time, if you keep rolling out the same roster you have and the results don't match up, then you got to go at it a different way. So there's pressure on them to win this year. Otherwise, some of those veteran names are going to get traded. Same thing for Calgary. It's a Calgary team that did make some moves in the offseason, but by and large, it's the same roster as last year. And so there's going to be pressure on them to prove that the uh, the things that went wrong was Daryl Sutter. And so if they don't win, then it's like, well, maybe it wasn't the coach as much, even though we know it, it definitely was. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love the Kings on that list because this is something that I think doesn't get talked about a ton is that the Kings have become a team that uses for the most part, there are exceptions. Of course, they use a lot of their prospects and draft picks to acquire ready talent. And so if you do that, you deplete your system. You don't have reserves necessarily to fill in for guys if you need them. So there's a lot of pressure on that group uh, to continue to win and to further that without also really impactfully addressing the goalie situation. Yeah. So that, that, um, that's a great spot for them. And so, yeah, I, I don't have any objections really to any of this. I would maybe bump just because they did win the cup two years ago. I'd maybe bump Colorado down a little bit. But at the end of the day, too, they've had a ton. They've had a ton of things go on uh, both on the ice and off the ice over the last six months. All the the um, things that happened with Landeskog uh, that they're still kind of trying to figure out a timetable for him to return. So that obviously is is putting them in a situation where they're not going to be as as dominant as they have been. And the Dallas Stars are trying to avoid the Pete DeBoer curse where the first year with the team, he takes them well into the postseason and things just kind of start to back up from there. So a great list. And I think the burner on the stove is on to varying degrees for all of those teams. But if it's the Edmonton Oilers, if you come close to that burner, you're going to get burned. So. Western Conference Finals and to the brink. Your opponent goes to the brink. I think that's a fantastic need. It's a need. It's not a, boy, that would be great if that happened, wouldn't it? It's a need for the Edmonton Oilers this year. I think anything short of that is a clean house, both behind yeah. the bench and the front office. Uh, and I think you're going to see some other of these supporting actors at Edmonton uh, I think you're going to see maybe some new faces. 
Maybe you see the Oilers be more aggressive to getting a maybe a legitimate third superstar. Ooh. Yeah, you're, you're going to have to try to throw out the playbook uh, a yeah. little bit if it doesn't work out this year because you can't waste Dry Seidel and McDavid. I mean, they still have years of their prime, but you got to start building towards what you're going to build towards now. They have years of their prime, but they don't have their prime a second time. So you got to maximize it. And that will do it for today's episode of Locked on NHL. So thank you for tuning in and make sure before you go that you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any Locked on NHL content throughout the course of the week. Make sure to follow Nick at Lockdown Predators and myself at Lockdown Wild for more info on your favorite teams. You can find new episodes all week long as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.